1: And I have got an incredible guy on the Intentional Encourager podcast. I met Monty last year, and I'm telling you, he is a rock star. He's an author. He connects people with opportunity, finds clients, and sells their products on LinkedIn. But don't take my word for it. I'm going to let this man do, do some serious talking here. And that's Monty Clark, who joins me on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Monty, what's good today?
0: Hey, Brian, thanks for having me on your show. Really appreciate it. It's a pleasure and honor to uh, do this with you. And uh, I've loved getting to know you over the past year or so, too. So
1: Yeah, it's been fun, man. It's It's been a lot of fun. You are a diehard Kansas City Chiefs football fan. I am rocking my Cincinnati Bengals gear because we hope one day as Bengals fans to be in the position that the Chiefs are in as we record this podcast. The Chiefs are playing in the AFC Championship game course super bowl champions last year money right. give me a sense of what kansas city is like right now because you guys are right in the heart of the midwest and you know missouri is kind of fractional you have st louis to the east right. and the things right. that go on there and in kansas city to the west what's it been like out there in the midst i, I was watching the reason i asked that question I, i'll kind of break myself in there but um I watched the, the Chiefs game that they played on Sunday against the Cleveland Browns. Right. And and there looked like there were quite a few people in the, in the stands, not a, a packed house as as Arrowhead Stadium usually has. But what's the mood? What's the feeling? What, what's the, the flavor around Kansas City right now?
0: Well, I can tell you, you know, as far as football goes, I think everybody is holding their breath a little bit, waiting to see if Patrick Mahomes is going to be back for Sunday's game. Of course, by the time
1: this releases, you know, you guys are probably hoisting the Lombardi Trophy in Tampa. So, you know.
0: Let's hope. Let's hope that's the case. (laughs) Yeah, but, you know, I mean, the mood in Kansas City is one of optimism. I'm, you know, I think – The town is excited about the things that are happening, not only with our sports teams, but you know, with the the economy and and where we're headed in general. Kansas City is a great place to live. I've been here for some 30 odd years now, you know, so um, I've been migrating south, you know, started in Minnesota when I was was born in Minnesota, and been migrating down and um, it's a great town to live in, you know, really really like it. And the people are, uh, nice people here. You know, and when you come to Kansas city, you're going to be welcomed and, and feel like you're right at home. So
1: I, the best barbecue, and I told you this when we talked, the best barbecue I have ever eaten is at Oklahoma Joe's in, yeah. in Kansas city on the Kansas side. So you have to, yeah. I remember the first time I went there, we, I was on a plane flying out there and I was meeting a couple of coworkers of mine and, and I asked somebody on the plane, I said, okay, you're from Kansas city. Cause I heard him talking about, and, and I said, where do we go get good barbecue? And they said, Oklahoma Joe's. So we, we, we put it in our phones we're dr- yeah. and we're driving through all these city neighborhoods and things oh, yeah. like that. And we roll up on this Exxon gas station and it had a little sign out. It said Oklahoma Joe's. And I'm like, this must be the place because the line was out the door and they have oh, a yeah. sign there. I don't know if they still had the sign, Monty, but they had a sign there that said, no seat saving. So you can't go in and get yeah. a table and sit there and, and let somebody else get your food. True. If there's True. a table open, you get it. Otherwise, you're standing along the wall eating your barbecue or, or yeah. whatever. Yeah. It was it was pretty fantastic.
0: Yeah, you know, that's their original location. They, they changed the name now to Joe's KC, actually, because...
1: Um, yeah you don't want to make you you probably don't want to have association with oklahoma with that with that big
0: rivalry there that that's going I'll on i'll tell you though most most people still refer to it as oklahoma Joe's so yeah. you know it's but you're right the z-man sandwich if you ever come to kansas city go to Joe's KC or Oklahoma Joe's order the Z Man sandwiches. Just it's, it'll yeah. knock your socks off.
1: Oh, I'm telling you. I had the ribs, man. And the their oh, ribs were ribs. just their their ribs were just absolutely out of sight. But I'll tell you the say I'll tell you the part of the story I don't think I told you. So I'm I'm flying back home and I, I get a I get barbecue sauce. Yeah. yeah. And I'm trying to take the barbecue sauce on my carry-on and because it's eighteen ounces, they're like, sir, you barbecue sauce I'm like it's barbecue sauce They're like yeah it's 18 ounces so but but had I had I been able to squeeze it in one of those quart-sized Ziploc baggies I'd have been okay oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I'd yeah. have been I'd have been fine but yeah but I didn't but uh but yeah so uh if anybody's listening that that has affiliation with Joe's barbecue um reach out to us at the at intentionalencouragerpodcast at gmail.com and send some our way. And, and I'm sure we can work a sponsorship in there, you know, shameless promotion. You, you got it. Right. Yeah. Why not Monty? Let me ask you something. Everybody has, and, and I ask this question of a lot of people that come on the podcast mm-hmm. and, and I want to get your perspective. This year obviously has been such, and I say this year because 2020 has bled over into 2021 with the economy and things we're seeing and, and things like that. Take me through how things have been for you in your business since March of last year, kind of challenges, what you learned from, from this time, because I can't ever remember a time in business that we've seen anything like this in, in our lifetimes.
0: No, I, that's a, that's a factual statement there. I mean, that there's never been anything like this, um, in our lifetime, but, um, You know, um, whenever you go through um, very difficult times or trials, if you would, which I think the, you know, there's probably people out there who, you know, haven't been overly affected by what's going on right now. But I I think that's few and far between. I think every single person has been affected by what has, transpired whether you have to stay at home wearing masks everywhere else you know that you go social distancing everything else Um, for me personally i you know started um, working more on um, my business in terms of just really making it intentional to do things like this right getting in front of people um, making that personal connection i always tell people on linkedin that treat it like it is a live networking event, um, not like it is a social platform that you're just typing away on. So, if we were standing in front of each other, we're having interaction, engagement, we're having conversation, and that's relationship, right? So, um, I've really been intentional now this, this past year moving up into now that um, when I'm making connections with people, I'm seeing if I can do Zoom calls with them, have phone calls with them, whatever I can do just to to continue to have that personalized connection since we haven't been able to get out and have coffees and all that other kind of stuff. So that's been the first thing, but, you know, I'll tell you, you know, for the most part, Brian, um, when you get into things like what we're experiencing right now, For me personally my faith plays a tremendous role in that and just to know that there's a plan to know that um i can trust that plan and that i have a foundation that um you know maybe a lot of people don't you know that's based on something more than uh am i going to get coronavirus is my business going to fail or anything like that so
1: no i love what you said there And the thing that's so beautiful about that Monty is, is a couple of different things. And and I want to park on what you said there for a minute. The first thing is I, a hundred percent agree that, and I was having this conversation the other day with somebody, why do people tend to hide behind avatars, no matter what their social media platform is? I love what you said there about treating LinkedIn like a live networking event, because the thing that i will tell people is this i think you have to care about your presence in other words you have to be consistent um and i lost my train of thought there Uh, no uh, you're right uh, yeah you have to care you have to be you have to be consistent agreeable relatable engaging you know and and or authentic is the word i was looking for i had a temporary brain lapse there consistent (laughs) authentic relatable and engaging and yep. you have to care about that social media. And, 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 Monty, too many people are trying to make themselves look better than what oh, they yeah. are. So I love what you said there about the live networking event. And, you know, let, let's take that a step further. If you were, If you and I were live in person with each other, we were having a cup of coffee. I doubt very seriously during that conversation we would be pitching each other back and forth. You know, I would say, yep. "Hey, Monty, buy my book," and you go, "Hey, Brian, you know, hire my company." You know, but but there seems to be people that have that disconnect. Why do you think that that you, there are some people that you see? I've got to go here for just a second. Why mm-hmm. do you think some people treat their professional business platform as a pitching session rather than a a live networking event?
0: Well, you know, it's a it's an interesting thing, you know, the, the social selling is really, you know, what we're talking about and, and to your point, you know, here here's one thing I'd say, if, if you and I didn't know each other and we connected somehow, yeah. a, apart from social media, right? Somehow somebody said, Hey Brian, I know this guy, Monty Clark, you should go meet. I'm going to email and connect you guys. And then you and I said, Hey, nice to meet you. Let's. Let's plan on a coffee, right? When you and I sat down, what would happen is uh, either you or myself would say, hey, Brian, nice to meet you. Tell me about yourself. What do you do? Right? So that would take place. I would hear about what you do. You would hear about what I do. It wouldn't be a one-sided conversation to where we sit down and you say, hey, this is what I have to offer. This is how I do it. You want to buy it? Yeah, right. That wouldn't happen. So I don't I really honestly don't feel that um, that you can't express to people what you do or the problem that you solve. I think we should be doing that throughout the platform and throughout LinkedIn, not only in your content, but in in your engagement and direct messaging. That's okay. When it turns into a one-sided, I'm not concerned about you, Brian. I'm only concerned about my sale and what I'm going to get from you. That's not relationship driven. So I think what happens is most people take social platforms as the opportunity to, um, not take it as the opportunity. They look at it as like an advertising platform, right?
1: That's it. That's a hundred percent it. Yeah. It's only, yeah.
0: yeah. I'm there just to put, out what I have to offer, what I have to sell, and it's a numbers game. If I can get in front of X amount of people and tell them what I do and I, I, and offer it to them, uh, then a certain percentage of that will close deals, but that never happens, right? And there's so much automation being taken on the platform in terms of outreach, connecting and messaging people that it just, it completely removes the, relationship aspect of the platform and what i would say is if you do it what you're actually doing is removing the opportunity for the relationship down the road right well here's the thing too monty what happens is is that companies say
1: we want to connect with our customers we want to engage with our customers Mm -hmm. when to your point they did they forget the the connection part of connecting and engaging, right? It's all to your point. It's all automated. It's all, Hey, you go, you, you take the action. You go to our website, come, you know, look at our video, look at our, you know, check us out on Facebook, things like that. It's instead of reaching to the customer and the marketer taking the action it's, and, and I hear people talk about a call to action, a call to action, I believe this Monty, if you want me to take action, bring it to me and, and, and force me to take action, compel me, you know, make me just, just, I have to do this. Instead, Mm -hmm. it feels like a lot of marketers and forgive me if I'm wrong and correct me if I'm wrong. Sure. But it feels like a lot of marketers want the customer to do all the heavy lifting and they call it engagement, or they call it connection. Where's the disconnect there that you see in that
0: process? Am I thinking about that correctly? Am I, am I am I missing something there? No, I don't think so. I mean, you know, the great thing about LinkedIn is it is a perfect marriage of marketing and sales, right? 100%. It, You're, you're involved in both activities and they come together. So often in companies, you've got marketing and sales as independent silos, right? And they don't, they don't work together. Um, and we were talking about this before we even got on the show, right? The sales are out making sales and they're, they are having conversations with real customers. They're getting real objections. They're getting, you know, overcoming real barriers and stuff to making the sale. The marketing department is trying to uh, put out information, uh, create slogans, everything, drum up interest, find as many ways as they can to get in front of people to, quote, unquote, build this brand, right? Mm -hmm. But they work independently. And so the beauty about LinkedIn is that everybody on LinkedIn is their own personal brand because yeah. people do business with people they don't do business with brands
1: yeah I think hey everybody Brian Sexton here I want to tell you about our sponsor SEO national SEO stands for search engine optimization now what's that you might say well search engine optimization helps you show up higher on search engines in front of paying customers for words that you as a business owner can monetize What a great concept seo national is owned by my good buddy damon burton who's been a guest here on the intentional encourager podcast not only has damon and his team worked with businesses of all sizes from e-commerce startups to nba teams and shark tank featured businesses but more importantly damon and his team are about transparency trust and providing lifetime value so much so that he still has his first customers After opening SEO National 14 years ago, let me give you some intentional encouragement and call Damon and his team today at 855-736-6285 or go to www.seonational.com and get a free quote. I think I've heard about that before. It's called People Buy From People. (laughs) I wish I had it. Wait a minute. I, I, I I, I I I think I can help out with that right there. There you go, right there. Hey, listen, I told you we're all about shameless plugs here. But (laughs) no, you're 100% right, Monty, is that it's the perfect mix of sales and marketing. But what happens is a lot of times the marketplace is so robust that the marketplace, the old saying, cream rises to the top the marketplace is the ultimate cream because the best ideas rise to the top in the marketplace and the market decides the marketplace decides whether there's credence and credibility to those ideas and if there are then the marketplace can respond accordingly by gravitating to those ideas why do yeah, you but th- I would uh, i would say go ahead, yeah go ahead
0: go ahead i would say that on linkedin though you are creating your own marketplace through your connections and your engagement, right? So on LinkedIn, there's some people that are just like, connect with everybody, connect with anybody because you never know where opportunity comes from. It's not necessarily the case. Okay, so you want to connect with the people that you know you can potentially do business with. Yeah. Because you're building that market, right? If I'm right. If I'm selling a specific product or I'm solving a problem for a specific person, I wanna go out and find the specific people that need that problem solved. Because I know they are highly likely to A, gravitate towards my message, B, want to have a conversation with me. So I build that marketplace. Now, because of the algorithm, because of how it works, when you put that marketing message out, when we say the cream rises to the top, we're really only wanting that cream to rise to the top for specific people, right? Right. So that's, you know, if we build our network that way and if we're engaged in our network that way, the cream will rise to the top, you're gonna have more accessibility to those people and more ability to start conversations. But if it's just willy nilly broadcast to anyone and everyone, and you only get this much of an opportunity, right, in when you post something, because it doesn't cast it out to everybody. It's only going to cast it out to a few number of your uh, first tier connections, and you must get engagement there. Then it's going to go to um, potentially your second and your third, depending on the level of engagement that you get to that post. But there's so much that goes into the marketing aspect to get your message out there that enables you to be able to have that trust, expertise, and authority to then to begin those conversations and who you're going to uh, begin to have those conversations with. Well, and that's why I put in my book,
1: I, I one of the chapters is people by authenticity. And and I believe in authenticity so much that I am willing to 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 throw that, to your point, to cast that out there. I, I don't, I'm not trying to sell anything. I'm just talking about myself. I'm not talking about anybody else on LinkedIn. Everybody has to use that platform the way they see best fit. For me, I decided last year that I was going to become the intentional encourager on LinkedIn because I saw a lot of expertise and very little encouragement. And salespeople, leaders, marketers, everybody needs intentional encouragement. Everybody needs it for their business, for life, things like that. And so I just decided then that was what I was going to use that professional platform for because I wanted to speak to professionals. It's about, to me, it's about being authentic in your message. But not only that, it's it's doubling down in your consistency. Because if, if, if I'm just trying to reach out to you, Monty, because I think there's an opportunity for you to buy my book or be on the podcast or this or that, it's very inauthentic very quickly, and people see right through inauthenticity. Fakes are, huh? are, are, are are getting easier to spot by the day. What is the number one mistake that you see people making on LinkedIn that by correcting – and I don't want you to give away a secret sauce if you don't you feel that way, huh? but I, I just wanted to ask that question. What's the single biggest mistake you see people making on LinkedIn and other social platforms that – Correcting it today is going to have a, an impact on tomorrow.
0: Yeah. Uh, and for one, I, I, there's no secret sauce. I'm, you know, I can, I'm happy to give anything away for that. From what I've learned. Um, you mentioned something about being authentic. You know, if I were to give people instruction, um, if I was just going to give you one thing, right. Of what to do to, Uh, be successful on this platform. It is engage more authentically. Um, Don't try to be somebody that you're not and go out and engage other people. Now, what does engagement mean? You know, we throw that term out there a lot, but go find people that you can actually develop relationships with. Um, They don't, all have to necessarily be in your network, they they can be helpful, even if you're not going to do business with people, yeah. but go find people that you can solve problems for, and go find people that you can create authentic relationships with, because the more you engage there, and it's going to be through putting good comments on people's posts, it's going to be in having good conversations through direct messaging. It's going to be in setting up uh, phone calls and zoom calls and yeah. getting in front of people and talking about um, who they are and what they do and and how you might be able to help them. The more you give into the platform and give into people, the more that it comes back to you. And it, it, it's just a law. I mean, that's just how it works. So you don't have to even worry about your content. You don't have to worry about posting. You don't have to worry about your profile even so much in terms of getting the perfect profile that comes about. If you pour into people and you engage people at their level in the various forms in which you can engage, you will find success on like that.
1: And I'll share this with you. One one tip to kind of piggyback off of that. When I engage in a post, even if I know somebody really well, like yourself. Mm-hmm. If I know you really well, I will still say thank you or I appreciate your post or that was mm-hmm. a great post because people people like compliments. People like sincere compliments. Yep. They want to know that what they've said or what they've done resonates with somebody or, mm-hmm. or it makes an it. So I'm always quick to say, hey, great post. Thank you. Or I appreciate what you said, even if I'm going to add something, or even if I'm going to counter at or counter, you know, bring a counter argument yeah, to it sure. because most people are willing to accept a counter argument to their post when you graciously step into the arena, Yep. you know, when you, when you, when you bow to your opponent, kind of like in a, in a karate sense, you bow to your opponent. Mm-hmm. Even when you even when you disagree with somebody, be respectful enough to bow to your opponent and say, Hey, I appreciate what you said. I don't agree with it, and here's why. Yep. But I can appreciate what you said. And man, to your point, I don't think people understand the power of giving first, or giving to 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 help enrich somebody else. When did you really Tap into that that philosophy in your own life and your own business. And what was that moment like for you when you said, "I get it now. This is this is the way."
0: Uh, you know, um, I've I've been involved in multiple businesses and I've done quite a few different things. Um, you know, but almost, almost to the to the instance, I would say, I've always been involved with other people and dependent on other people to make what I was doing be successful. When I got on LinkedIn, it was the first company, if you, I just, when I decided to start my company, um, focused entirely on LinkedIn marketing and sales, it was the first time that I decided I will have no partnerships. Done with partnerships. It's just, it's going to be on my own merit. I'm going to learn it and I'm going to get good at it. And I'm going to help people myself. I'm, you know, I'm not going to depend on anybody else. And I started pouring into the platform. Um, I very quickly realized because I would produce content on a daily basis. And, you know, I was flatlined in terms of views and everything else like that. I very quickly realized, well. I'm going to, instead of just expecting that people are just going to come to me, I'm just going to go out to them. I'm going to, I'm, a, I'm going to go engage other people and I'm going to see if I can get involved with other people. Yeah. And that changed everything because it
1: really I, does. It really does because, you know, when, when, when I launched the Intentional Encourager podcast, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but you were, you were really hitting on something there. When I launched the Intentional Encourager podcast, I, I started with, a few people that I, I felt, I was like, Hey, would you like to come on the podcast? And a few of them were close friends. It's funny, man. The more I started engaging with other people, I had friends of mine that go, Hey, you should have this person on your podcast. Or they would reach mm-hmm. out to them mm-hmm. and say, Hey, I was just on Brian's podcast. You need to go on this podcast. Or they reach out to me and say, reach out to this person. They'd be great to be on your podcast. Yeah. And, and it's just... It's just grown so powerfully and so exponentially that way that I have people reach out, I have five or ten people a week reach out to me to connect. They'll yeah. see me. And I, I'm like, How did you find me? And some people I would say this if you're going to connect with somebody in money, you pro- we'd probably ag- agree with this. I think more people need to tap into the personalized connection.
0: Oh, for sure.
1: People want to know why you've reached out to connect with them. At least I do. And I and when when somebody connects with me, I usually will say to them, "I'm curious as to what prompts people to reach out to me. Tell me in your case
0: what that was." Well, for one, um, I've stopped. I don't. I don't accept connections that don't put some kind of personalization to it. You know, well, thank I've, God
1: you accepted my connection request last year, man. Otherwise, this, I'd be talking to myself right now.
0: You know, I mean, I, that's that's just the thing, right? I mean, I just go back to treat every interaction as though it's a relationship and put the other person first. Um, put, and, you know, put yourself in their shoes. If I was approaching you, what would I want to hear? What would What would make me want to connect with you? You know, it, it takes so very little, honestly, Brian, on this platform. I mean, you, you can. Well, for me, I would want to know how you get such a great head of hair and a,
1: and a fantastic <laughs> beard, man. That that to me, I, I'm I'm having some beard envy right now because if you're watching this on video, my man has got a stout. I, I mean, not only is the the hair quaff. But the beard is on point, man, and I'm sitting here going, "Oh my God, I got to touch this up. I got a little bit of gray here." And, and oh man, my wife it's... is already telling me she's Monty. She's already telling me she's like, "Your beard's getting too long," and this and, that. and I look at you and I'm like, "That's that's what it should look like right there."
0: <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, that's
1: uh, see. So, yeah, I up. mean, yeah, it's a yeah. I, I that, that, that's, a, that's what. <laughs> See, you know, if you and I were talking face-to-face, man, I would, you'd be like, man, dude, Sexton's creeping me out because he's like staring into my eyes and stuff (laughs) and things like that. I'm like, no, man, I'm just jealous of the hair and the beard, you know?
0: (laughs) That's funny. Well. I'll tell you, I couldn't grow a beard until I was forty. So, I feel
1: you. I feel you, brother. That was that. That was (laughs) about the, the. That was about. My dad told me one time when my my late my late dad told me one time when my son was born, I had a goatee. But I weighed about 350 pounds. So it was like a goat. It was probably more like a beard. It just stretched across my huge face. <laughs> you know, my dad told me, he said, he said, son, he said, if, if I catch you, uh, marking up my grandson's face with that thing, he said, me and you were going to have problems. My dad was clean shaven, didn't agree with it. And my wife told him, she looked at him and she said, I'll tell him when he can shave it. So if I shaved <laughs> this thing off, man, it'd be a bad day for everybody. So,
0: oh, that's funny. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm with you. I I grew. I really just grew a beard to hide my double chin. Honestly, so well. we'll. It, 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 yeah,
1: yeah. I feel you, man. I really do. I Absolutely. would be remiss in the time we didn't have if, if, if to not get into your story, um, sure. because that's what the Intentional Encourager podcast is, is. is for people that you see on social media, like Monty and others, to to tell the the backstory because. I love what you said earlier about kind of putting, you know, a version of yourself out there on social media and things like that. I try to be 100% authentic. You know, I, mm-hmm. if I'm struggling, I, I, I don't care to share it because somebody else may be going through the same thing. I, I want to be the same guy that you see on LinkedIn or or Facebook or Twitter. I want to be that same guy if, if we were sitting across the table from each other take me back as far back as you want to go from point A to where we are today and just tell your story I know you mentioned earlier you you grew up in Minnesota so start there man take me through your story
0: well um, I'll, I'll give you the very cliff notes version of it because we'd spend two hours on that but I you know um, I've been like I said migrated down to Kansas City um, I I started as a graphic designer, my, you know, graphic designers, my trade, if you would, um, uh, very quickly moved into doing freelance work out of college. So I've always kind of had my own business in a sense, because I was responsible for going out and getting my own clients. So I also started into sales, right. But I never considered it sales. Um, I've always been into relationship sales because you know, as a service provider, even doing graphic design, you know, I'm, I'm while I may be producing a product, it's still a service. Um, you have to focus on, um, your relationships to build that out. So, uh, I, I'm very quickly moved into trying to develop strategies and marketing stuff for people, um, and help them grow their businesses. And, uh, way back when, uh, I mean, I'm 47 years old, so I, came around before the internet you know like like you me
1: too brother i'll be 49 in august so i mean i i I am right there with you man yeah so uh
0: you know i grew up um always having to teach myself because we didn't have classes we didn't there wasn't college if you would to go and learn Programming for um, websites and stuff like that. I even grew up on the first version of Photoshop, right? So um, it was all—it's always been this process of being self-taught into my technical abilities and stuff. I, I really got interested in search engine optimization and how websites get found, so on and so forth. But then I. So I, I created this marketing company, and I was trying to help people across the board marketing um, in every different way that you can imagine, right? From SEO to brochures to yeah. all this other kind of stuff. Then there was a period of time in my life where I where I ventured off into real estate, and I did all kinds of other did things. Did you
1: know, growing up, that you wanted to be an entrepreneur or or do that when uh, you were growing up in in Minnesota? What was what was what did teenage Monty have envisioned that you wanted to do
0: growing up well my my dad was a pastor so i grew up a pk you know and um so he was always in front of people and we were and we were always in front of people you know so i was a social kid um
1: i, I gotta I, jump
0: in there i i gotta jump in there and pull a little more conversation
1: out of there because sure. I'm a pastor's kid, but my dad didn't pastor a church until I was married and had a a kid of my own. So I was 36, 37 when my dad started his church, Okay, but I understand very well. My uncle was a pastor. So I kind of know you kind of have that spotlight on you and things like that. So I Mm -hmm. know that world well, what was the one thing that, that you, that you took from being a pastor's kid that you said. If I get the opportunity to go my own way, I'm either going to do this or I'm not going to do this. Because most pastors' kids, when they get to be an adult, it, one of two things happens: they either go more to the ministry side that 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 their dad took and and went go to that role. They just naturally gravitate that way, or they go 180 degrees the other way and go. I don't I don't want anything to do with ministry or things like that because. And I'm setting the question up this way, being a pastor's kid sometimes can be a very thankless thing because when, when your dad is, if your dad's a pastor, he's ministering to people. Like I wanted my dad to do some, even when my dad pastored, is it, I wanted my dad to, Hey, you know, we're having this or, you know, come to this. He's like, no, I can't, I've got to be at our church and things like that. Mm -hmm. It's a very it's a very thankless thing because you're always having to share the person you love the most with everybody. Right. You have to share your dad. That's your dad, but he's their pastor and you have to share him with everybody. Mm -hmm. Was there something that you said, I'm not going to do this because I grew up in this home or I'm going to do this because of being a pastor's kid.
0: You know, I, um, my parents weren't, overly controlling if you would to make me grow up and um go the 180 the other way. I did not grow up seeing myself being a pastor. Uh you know, and I'm not. But what I learned and what my parents taught me well is that a relationship with Christ is an individual relationship. It's it's not a parent to child relationship, right? There's no there's no grandchildren in heaven god only has children right so right. my relationship with christ is my own independent and, and my and my faith is lived out daily so the, the what you know what i did have to learn growing up is that that in authentic intentionality you you need to hold on to that every single day and there's a there's a stigma and there's a perception of pastors, and pastors, kids and things like that, that they need to be, they need to be in this tight, little confined box, right? You've got to be good, you've got to be, um, you have to act a certain way, you have to talk a certain way and be, you know, be a certain way towards people in yourself, because you're this, um, you're this example, right? You're, you need to be an example to everybody. Well, you know what, I'm, I'm a person. Yep. And I'm a, I'm a person that makes mistakes and that has problems just like everybody else on the earth, how those problems, how I deal with those problems and how I deal with the situation in my life just has a different foundation than somebody who doesn't have my same faith. Yeah. Doesn't have, doesn't have the understanding that I have and the peace that passes all understanding that that's I right. Have. That's right. So, you know, I, it they're obviously just like anybody you know when you grow up um you're gonna have both positive and negative attributes that you pick up from your parents so clearly you know even being a pastor's kid there's definitely things that i have changed and want to change in my life that i saw you know that would happen with my own folks and stuff like that but um you know, the number one thing that I would say is that I've had to learn and quite honestly, it's happened late in life, is that I need to be more empathetic towards people. And that sounds funny to say, being a pastor, being a pastor's kid, I should say. But, you know, a lot of times people in ministry pour so much of themselves into other people, you know, a lot of that empathy and a lot of that care yeah. and stuff that's going to come to your own family. You know, you're spent, right? By That's the time right. you are home. So I've really had to watch that into my own life with you know, because I can spend I can spend twelve hours a day in front of my computer and working and everything else like that. And and just like this, I'm giving to you, right? And so right. I'm having lots of conversations and it's in, in a lot of ways, it's not it's not any different from a ministry sometimes because I get to hear and share with a lot of people. But at the end of the night, I, I have to remember that it's now I'm giving to my family and I need to care for them.
1: Well, and, and, and I love what you said there. And I wanted to extrapolate a little more conversation out of that because whether you're a pastor, a business owner, a marketer, whatever it is that you do for a vocation, whatever you feel purposeful that 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 God has for you to do, You can pour so much into it that your family gets pushed to the side. I've done that with writing my book and podcasts and things like that. I told my pastor one time, I said, you're busy checking on everybody else, but who's checking on you? Yeah. Because at the end of the day, Monty, you and I bleed the same way. Uh We, We put our pants on one leg at a time. So do pastors. Yeah. So do people that are shepherding people, their their husbands, their fathers, their their spouses, their wives, you know, for for those uh and then we don't want to disrespect the the female pastors in the audience as well, too. You you're a human being first and foremost. You you were not always a pastor. You didn't come out of the womb as a pastor. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you've had to grow and things like that. What's one thing that you took from being a pastor? You mentioned empathy. How did that translate to you as you got into business? You were talking about being dependent on other people and, 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 and then deciding to be independent for yourself. Was that the greatest lesson that you took from the way you grew up that you applied to your business or was there something else that, that came to the surface?
0: Yeah, no, I mean, honestly, um, all of those, uh, uh most of that came through suffering loss. You know, because I was, I I would say throughout most of that time, I was largely focused on myself. So I've had, I've been involved in five different companies and I've had five different companies fail. And I've had great financial loss in times and you know, so it, it, it's through maturing and going back and looking at, okay, what, what you know, do I need to learn out of all of these things? You know, and so when I started, when I started on LinkedIn, for one, it was, it's going to be me and me alone in terms of the activity that I do. I'm not going to depend on anybody else in terms of my own success. It's going to be me and the Lord. Right? Yeah. The second thing is, was I'm going to be focused on how can I help anybody that the Lord brings into my life today? just absolutely anybody, I don't care who it is, if I make 50 connections today, who's the one person that I'm going to have a conversation with, and how can I help them today?
1: Well, nothing happens by accident. It's no. it's knowing in your faith that nothing happens by accident. Right. And, and, some, and Monty, I had to jump in there. Something that, that the Lord reminds me of every day, and I think about this scripture every day. It's Matthew 6.33. Seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, Mm -hmm. and all these things shall be added unto you. Mm -hmm. And it's no accident that when you – and you talked about giving earlier in our conversation. When you seek the Lord, the Lord brings those people and those things into your life that are meant for you. If something doesn't come to you, it's not meant for you. And, And there's a lot of people that try to open that door and things like that. You talked about having five businesses fail. And we 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 kind of short circuited because I wanted to ask you a little bit more about being a pastor's kid. I, I found that just fascinating. But every time that you had a business fail, what was your mindset like? What what, what were you thinking and things like that? Because and the reason I ask you that question, somebody's listening to this conversation that may be in the midst of a failing business of their own. Somebody, someone may be listening to us talk and go, man, my business is, I don't know if it's going to make it in 2021 because of what happened in 2020. What did you, what did you, what were your takeaways from those times when you went through failure? And you mentioned having great financial loss and, and gain and th- kind of like a tide coming in and going out, things like that. What, what were your takeaways from that?
0: Number one is God's not against you um failures in life and failures in business and such like that 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 does not mean that god's against you and you're being punished um number two it's not it's it's not a failure if you choose to learn from it and get better from it nothing nothing is a failure just Just because something is removed out of your life, whether that be a relationship, financial, a business, anything, just because God chooses to remove something out of your life does not mean that that has to be a failure. You need to take a step back, take a look at what you're to learn from those times those activities and i'm going to call them you know they they really are they're just activities of things that happen in your life learn from those things so that you can improve upon yourself okay because when you improve within yourself and you understand what you need to learn through them you one you can avoid them in the future two it doesn't mean that they're not going to happen again it just means that Um, you get the opportunity to try again. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's so good. And as you try and as you trust the Lord and and his sovereignty in your life and what he chooses to allow to happen in your life and you learn from those things, one, you grow significantly closer to the Lord. Two, um, the knowledge and the understanding that you get to do it better the next time is just crazy i yeah. mean i everything that i have learned i could there's no way on earth that i could go to a school and learn it right it, it's it's all life uh it's like mass life master's degree you know and you yeah. know you can, you can only get that through failure through through bad things happening to you that you have to learn how to not only deal with, but then overcome.
1: Hey everybody, Brian Sexton. I want you to go check out my new book, People Buy From People, 10 Powerful People Lessons from the Ultimate People Person. My dad. My dad was the ultimate connector and the ultimate intentional encourager. And he shared with me 10 connecting lessons that I'm gonna share with you in this book, interwoven with stories and personal anecdotes that will help you really see what connecting is truly all about. If you want to be a more powerful, stronger, deeper connector, whether you're in ministry or leadership or sales, own a business, whatever you want to do that connects you with people and you want to connect with them stronger, deeper, and more powerfully, People Buy From People is for you. I want you to go to Amazon.com. And search People Buy From People, Brian Sexton. It's available in paperback and Kindle. And coming soon, excited about this, coming soon to Audible. Thank you in advance for picking up a copy of People Buy From People. And now let's get back to a great conversation here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. I love that, man. I'm writing this down the greatest learning comes from failure. I I love that, man. That is so good. Thank you for sharing that. I've got to ask you a couple more questions. I want to be respectful of your time and the audience's time. Take me through the biggest obstacle that you faced in your life and what was the lesson that you learned from it?
0: I've got a lot of obstacles. <laughs> <Brian>. <laughs> hey,
1: man, good thing we got time to to do this, uh, you know, again. It, uh, yeah. I ask people questions, and, and sometimes they go, man, why did you know, it, it, I see the look on their face and the wheels turning like, why did you ask me that, you know? But, but it is. Every, everybody has something that they have gone through that's just been a huge I, – I tell people if they ask me that question, My thing is the the greatest obstacle that I ever overcame was losing my dad. Suddenly it was Mm. the first time in my life I was ever rocked like that. And so for you, what was the biggest obstacle that, that, that you faced in your life and the
0: the lesson from it? The greatest obstacle that I have faced in life was facing divorce. And, uh, after I faced bankruptcy, I thought that was the greatest obstacle I was going to have to go through. And then shortly thereafter, I found myself in the midst of a divorce. And so that was a crisis of faith in my life, a moment of crisis of faith, because, you know, I, for one, I did not want the divorce. That was not my choice, and I also did not, I also knew what um, God feels about divorce. Yeah. And so the I, it was um, the two, I could not reconcile the two in my mind because, you know, I know God's plan. I know what I don't know God's plan f- necessarily for me on a daily basis, but I know what God says about divorce. And I know that I don't want the divorce. Yet this divorce is happening and I could not, um, I could not change it. it. It was not up to me. Right. So coming out of that, um, with really, I mean, and I think everybody at some point in their life faces a crisis of faith and and, and you get to a point of decision. Am I going to follow or am I going to turn away? And, um, I chose to follow and, uh, you know, and trust that God has a plan for me and that every single trial and quote think bad thing that i feel like happens in my life is an opportunity and it's not a bad thing and that there is blessing through it and as you continue to follow those blessings are realized but they only happen when you do follow and um i god has since blessed me with the love of my life that As you know, that I'm now remarried again, and um, not that it doesn't have its own trials, you know, but yeah, there's been such tremendous blessing through it. And I have learned in my life that um, when the Bible says consider it all joy when you face various trials, yeah, I now know how to find that joy, yeah, because I because it, it, we get every single person um, is going to be touched. By trial. Yeah, that's that's right. That's the human condition. And it entirely depends on how you're going to handle that trial. And I have learned to find the joy in it. It doesn't mean that I'm going to like it, right? But I can find the joy in it because I know that God's at work. And I know that in the end, I'm going to have blessing through it.
1: Well, sometimes, and I love what you said there about knowing what God says about divorce. Mm -hmm. And, And here's what I would say to that. I know what God says about sin, Mm -hmm. yet I find myself at times being sinful. Absolutely, absolutely. I know what God says about certain, you know, things in His Word, but yet sometimes we find ourselves falling short. So I can understand where you where you felt the way that you felt, and and I think so many times you feel like when you come to that crossroad and I've been there myself of, of do I continue on or do I walk away and just go, okay, it's been fun. It's been real, but it's it's not for me anymore. I'm out. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think a lot of Christians have come to that point. If you haven't come to that point, if you're a Christian, you haven't come to that point in your walk with God, just wait, it's coming.
0: It's coming. And because, here's the other yeah. thing I'd say. God's not my, God's not my magic genie that as long as I rub him the right way—that's a great point. Yeah, he's, he's just gonna make my life, you know, peachy keen and and tiptoeing through daisies all the time. That's that's not what this life is about, and that's not what that's not what any relationship on this earth is about either, right? Yeah. I'm not. If you don't have conflict in a relationship, you don't have a relationship. Well, and let's be honest, everybody talks about about
1: prayer and, and i and i'm all i'm all for prayer i i think we should pray more as christians yes but prayer doesn't move the heart of god it's faith faith is what moves the heart of god you can pray all day long as and in, in pray often the pharisees did that if you study the scriptures the pharisees jesus talked about you guys say you pray a lot you have no faith you, you mm-hmm. have, you're you're faithless you know, he called him oh, faithless generation of vipers," is what the scripture yeah. says. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Say
0: prayer without faith does not move God.
1: That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. And and so, you know, if you're if you have not walked through that valley yet, where you say, "Is it worth me to continue going?" Just wait. It, it's it's coming because you know, to your point, and I love you mentioned the book of James, where it says, Count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations." You know, and, and, and that's it. You're going to fall into those things. You're going to have life smack you in the face. Yes. I got to ask you this last question. Thank you for being so transparent, man. That was so powerful and so beautiful. I love what you said there. What's your biggest piece of intentional encouragement for folks out there, whether they're struggling with marriage issues or they're struggling with business issues or they're struggling with how do I become my more authentic self and you, and you so beautifully Monty have talked about that. What's your biggest piece of intentional encouragement?
0: Um, There is hope. There is hope that can be found uh, for me and I, I know for everybody else, but for me, it is hope in Christ. And as I pursue that, you know, I find that I'm able to give so much more to other people and to be an intentional encourager because um, it doesn't become about me. And it becomes about everybody else around me. And it becomes about what God is doing in everybody else's life around me too, right? So as the Lord prompts me and that I can, you know, from a business standpoint, from a personal standpoint, everywhere else, where I can align myself with what God's doing in my life and what God's doing in your life and and everybody else that I'm talking to. Um, it, it allows me to be able to encourage everybody yeah. and, you know, be humble, be humble and, uh, transparent with people because, um, what we need more now, uh, today is, is authentic people. Just like what you're, t- what we started out with and what we we're talking about on LinkedIn. Be authentic because we're all going through difficult times, you know, and we all need encouragement.
1: Man, that is so good. Monty Clark, tell folks how they can get in touch with you, connect with you. Um, Man, because I know when people listen to this conversation, they're going to want to connect to you if, if they're not connected with you already. And you should. You should go and connect with Monty.
0: Yes, please do um, find me on LinkedIn. That's the best way. And I will say to that, um, Brian, that I just started a new ministry on LinkedIn called subversive. And what we're going to do is a daily video, um, devotional that's straight out of the Bible. It's going to be every day, Monday through Friday. And we're starting that February 1st. So if you'd like to join us there, um, just search for subversive in groups, um, on LinkedIn. You can also, if you prefer Facebook, we have uh, subversive on Facebook too,
1: man. That is awesome. Monty Clark, M mm-hmm. O N T E C L A R K Monty Clark, find him on LinkedIn, uh, connect with him subversive. Uh, by the time this podcast releases, that'll be live both on LinkedIn and Facebook. So again, go to those, uh, those other pages connect with him um send him a personalized connection request and say that you heard him on the intentional encourager podcast i know he would appreciate that Monty, this has been powerful this has been awesome thank you so much for joining me today
0: on the intentional encourager podcast absolutely my pleasure thanks for having me brian
1: my thanks as always to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Mead. And the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ, who provides intentional encouragement every day through his work. And until next time, remember everyone, everywhere, at any time, and any place
0: can be an intentional.